the video we watched was, it was quite wonderful, wasn't it? Touching. Difficult to watch, to know that three stories and how many kids never make it there to that home. But how many do? And the testimonies of the people who began their life without hope and love, they received it through the work of some who saw a need and responded. What's it like to be nine years old think your life is over? Some of you may know. Like to be given such a terrible story of who you are by your own mother. Some of you may know. Where they had no hope, they received love from strangers. Love that, if I say it this way, woke them up. Woke them up to the truth about who they are. And how they spread that message to others. And that's, that's the beautiful part, isn't it? They're, they're giving of themselves in that way. The love of God is beautiful. And we are made to be part of this love, you know. Love of God, love of others, love of ourselves. It's actually what we're made to be and do. It's who we are in, in the truest manner of ourselves, which is it's how we're built as human beings, right? When we love and we give, uh, any other way may offer momentary happiness here and there, but that's not what we're made to do. And, and the Gospel of Mark in our reading today, it begins in a very strange way. Is that the Christmas message you're used to hearing? Is that how the Gospel story of Jesus begins? We're used to birth and traveling and donkeys. Well, there's no, actually no donkeys, but they're in there in our heads, aren't they? The oldest Gospel doesn't begin with the Christmas story that we're used to singing about, that we're used to visioning heard last week about the fact that Advent is not the anticipation for the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus has come and grown up, right? Lived, died, rose, ascended. We're not telling that story waiting for baby Jesus to come again. We are telling the story to await Christ to be in our world, in our, in our everyday existence. And, and then we look ahead to the day when all things will be put to right. Amen? That's going to be a good day. And we look for Christ to arrive in our world today in the eyes of the least significant of our brothers and sisters in our community, in our world, in our lives. And we look for Christ, those who are in need, whose souls are empty, for whatever reason. We are also anticipating how we're going to be a part of this. That's what Advent is. We're preparing. How, God, are you calling me as an individual, us as a congregation, be a part of what you're up to in our community. God's already here, right? Don't bring God to the community. God's already here. We need to wake up to what God may be calling us to do. Or maybe we know and we just need a little courage to follow. Mark's author begins with a similar idea in mind, the telling of the message of John the Baptist is not so that we know it happened. We don't read the story and say, oh, that's how it happened. We hear the words for ourselves. Prepare the way of the Lord and make the Lord's paths straight. Taking the time to tell the story is, is not to communicate history. It's a message. It's an invitation. So, of course, he quotes Isaiah, um, which this passage was meant for Israel during a time of exile, and they had been there a long time. They didn't know when it was going to end. We know that it was written about the time that it did end. But how many people there had no idea who they were? They 
generations. No one was even alive that remembers Israel when they actually lived in the land. And here they are as captives in a foreign land. How do you understand who you are in that setting? All you've known yourself to be is a captive. Which is why we tell this story, because it's something we deal with, don't we? Are we captive? Captive to ourselves, people in our country, captive. So we tell the story. Because we look ahead. We have hope. John the Baptist proclaimed the arrival of God's Messiah, called for the people to repent or to rethink, or the way I like to say it, reorient themselves. Get a bearings to what's going on. What's happening? Who am I? What is life about? What is God about? He's calling people to rethink and to, to remember. It's easy to get off track, yes? Uh, it's not just me, right? The difficulty with getting off track is that sometimes we don't even know we're off track. You ever been there? And then you wake up, right? It's a good day. When I got married, I had no idea how many things I did wrong. <laughs> Installing toilet paper. Maintaining toothpaste tubes. Laundry. And my fashion disasters. And I was awakened to a better way. Now, I say that jokingly. She's not even here to defend herself. But I think we all can identify with what it is to all of a sudden realize, oh, there are other ways to do things. There are other ways to live, to do life, to understand God. And when this gospel was first penned, there was a nation called Rome. And I know Dave says, you know, he lifts up that Rome did a lot of good things too, but we're going to talk about what the gospel related to Rome. See, Rome proclaimed itself as the kingdom of kingdoms. Its ruler Caesar was regarded and called the son of God. People proclaimed that it was Caesar who would wipe away the sins of the world. Caesar, peace and prosperity were being ushered in. Heralds would travel the land that Rome looked to conquer and would proclaim the good news to them. Caesar. And then demand that they proclaim allegiance to Caesar. And if they didn't, it didn't go well. If they did, they would say, Caesar is the prince of peace. Caesar is Lord. They got them off track. It's easy to see, to see that they've gotten off track. And we think about our own nation. Mark begins with an electric proclamation. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not Caesar. It was time for the world to wake up. Israel had been waiting and hoping for a king to lead them, to conquer Rome, to make Israel great again. They wanted a leader, a warrior, a son of David to do what David had done, which was establish Israel, make them great, no one. Peace through violence. Had they gotten off track? Have we? John announced that it was time to wake up to prepare the way for the Lord. Or the way I like to say it is to prepare for the Lord's way. So what about us? Do we look to government to be the good news? Do we look to violence for redemption? Do we honestly believe that we can change lives by God's work through this congregation? In our own lives and in our life together. Have we got back? We do that, don't we? 
Is it time to wake up? Does this mean we're miserable failures? No, no. We're, we're here, and that's beautiful. But we're always continuing to wake up, right? The Spirit's working in us. I have a translation I want to read. The last part of today's gospel reading has John saying, instead of baptized you in water and baptized you in spirit, the translation says, I've plunged you in water, and he's going to plunge you in the Holy Spirit. Sounds different, doesn't it? Now that's good news. Going to plunge us in the Holy Spirit. See, John's ministry, like a splash in the face in the morning, throw water on your face and wake up. John's ministry was like this, water to wake people up, to prepare for what was to come, to be ready for the true work God had to do. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, our Savior. Amen? Amen. And through His birth, teaching, death, resurrection, and ascension, we were given what? The Holy Spirit. Grace, forgiveness, a reminder of who we are, love, an eternal parent who doesn't tell us how worthless we are, tells us how worthy we are. What a gift. The Holy Spirit wakes us up if we only allow her to. Living into the way of Jesus Christ, living into the love of God requires us to do what's really hard to do, which is to let go. Let go of the things we think we know how to do the right way and consider what the Spirit may have to say. Let go of all the things we think about ourselves and listen to what God has to say. Let go of what we think is going on with others. And remember that there are sisters and brothers. It doesn't matter what boundary line they live across. Are they created by God? Are they, are they beautiful creations of God? Yeah. The world continues to preach and proclaim a gospel of power, violence, money, security, division. What does the church offer in response? Love. Love. Amen. Amen. At our best, we offer love, don't we? And what does your life have to say in response? Is it, is it love? Do people see love when they start talking about what's the right way to live? They've gotten off track. The testimony of love. They don't even know what was said. That was what stuck out to me. But that guy doesn't know what was said. He doesn't remember. That's not what was important. He remembers how he felt. He felt loved. And that was enough. Our full allegiance to God is easily compromised by other gospels. Right? Often our ability to truly love others as ourselves comes second after power, money, security, those things. Advent can be, if you want it, about opening yourself up to the new thing God is doing in your life, in the community. It's about waking up, repenting, reorienting ourselves to the love of God for the whole world. The whole world. So where is the presence of Jesus Christ working in your life today? Where is the call of God for this church and our community? You've got to ask questions to figure that stuff out, don't you? Uh, where is the love of God needed? That's a good start. Who here has not known the truth that you are a beloved child of God? Have you ever been a time in your life when you didn't know the, the truth? Anybody? I, I did. I mean, I didn't quite get it at first. What a gift 
to receive the news. And how many people never heard it at nine years old? And you see it in their life. If they don't have that good news, they're living by another world, a world that says, I've got to fight. I've got to take advantage. Don't judge them. Show them a better way. Love them. And that's hard. So this time of Advent, do this. Let us prepare ourselves. Reorient to love because love is the way of the Lord. To be changed by the Holy Spirit that we might be heralds ourselves of another kingdom. That we can allow God to work through us. Through us. And all shortcomings that you can list. God will work through you to transform the lives of others who might be a nine-year-old child, a rejected sister, an excluded sister or brother, or wherever else we might encounter Jesus today. Can we do this? You bet we can. Let's pray together. Gracious and almighty God, I thank you that you, you're always reaching out and you always make the first move in lives. And we never learn it. You don't even ask us to reflect that kind of love, to give love unearned, to make the first move that we may live into your way, that we may be prepared for when your kingdom comes, when you ask that we all live that way for one another. I thank you for this church that teaches me. We teach each other and reflect your love for one another. May we carry that message boldly outside of this room, wherever we're going, and trust that you are already there, that you are going to do the real work. We just need to show up and proclaim. So be with us as we do this and help us to live lives that reflect what it is we proclaim. And, and I thank you that I know you're going to do this, and you're going to help us, and you're going to give us love and encouragement and support all along the way. And for that, we give you thanks and praise in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who through the power of the Holy Spirit is still with us. Amen.